tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Hey, well, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to our time uh, to learn and to grow from God's Word, the Bible. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And so what is, I'm dying to know, what is your favorite plant? I'm going to have you yell it out in a moment, but if those online, if you want to, if you're able to uh, type it in and in the chat, that'd be great. But so what is, what is your favorite plant? Gardenias, sunflowers. What's that? Aloe vera. Yes, very good for the skin. Anything else over here? Blueberry. What? Blue Maria. Well, okay. Yeah. Oh, Plumeria. I think you said Blue Maria. I've never heard of that one before. <clears throat> I know that Shannon wants a red one, right? I have, I have one too, and it's about ready to bloom. Uh, any other favorite plants? What? Ferns? Yes, ferns are fun. There are, there are a lot of ones. Uh, I, uh, I recently... Uh, redid a few plants in my front yard. Uh, you can see on the screen, uh, one's a before, after, uh, one's a before picture, one's an after picture. I used to have this uh, kind of ugly um, juniper thing that all the weeds are going through. And so I got rid of that and I saw in my neighbor's yard, this really kind of cool lime green looking plant. It's up on the screen. And, it's, and, and the great thing about this, that plant is called breath of heaven. So naturally I had to have it. So I put that in there and that, uh, you know, we all have different tastes in plants. Hey, just fun fact. Um, when Disneyland first opened, the, the head gardener there didn't have enough time to get all the plants together. And so in the planting pots were a bunch of weeds. He looked them up online, got the scientific name, and the hardy ones, he stuck a little placard there, and people walked by and went, ooh, wow, how interesting those plants are. Uh, it, <laughs> to each his own, but, but the idea is, is they looked healthy and thriving, and really that's the goal to, to find the best environment for a plant to thrive, right? We want the, a plant to thrive. And like healthy plants, we are to be healthy followers of Jesus, engaged with him so that we can ga- engage our purpose. It's like these plants under these, this special grow light. You guys see these here? Uh, these are special little grow lights. They uh, mimic the sun and they provide the, the great photosynthesis that happens in these plants so these plants can actually thrive. They need to be in the glow to be able to grow. And, and so that's, and then we're the same way with, with, with Christ. We are to be in the glow of Jesus, engaged with God and, and engage, so that we can engage others. We are to be in Christ, to be in his glow so that we grow. So to let our roots grow down deep and to stretch out and grow it's, and, and to establish and have that inner strength to handle opposition. Because you know, good, healthy plants where their roots are grown down low and they've grown up big can withstand some of the the harshness of our climate, especially these last few days here, it's been really hot. So, but yet it's it's able to, a plant is able to handle that. And you can kind of guess the spiritual correlation with that is that when we engage Jesus, we're in his glow and our roots grow down through interacting with his teaching, God's word and, and the Bible, we are like that plant firmly planted. Well, actually Psalms 1-3 puts it this way. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. 
when we grow deep and, 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 and our roots grow deep and we grow up strong in, in the Lord, we, ha- we, are, we live out our purpose. When we engage the glow of God and we move forward and, 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 and engage others because we are that healthy plant, even when the climate is harsh. See, when we're thriving, growing in Christ, we're like, as Jeremiah 17, eight says, he's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by this stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease bearing fruit. Because when we're engaged with Jesus, when we're under his glow, uh, we we grow and we become healthy. And so when the heat comes, we're able to withstand that. And in our study in the Bible book of Colossians that we've been going through the last few weeks, the apostle Paul now challenges these followers of Jesus to be engaged with Christ, to be in his glow so that they grow resilient from the heat of other philosophies and live out their purpose as they engage others. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 puts it this way. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As these Colossian believers heard this, this this plant illustration they understood for farming and, and home gardens were known, were a norm in that day. And, and so, you know, I, I like gardening. Actually, here's, a, here's some fruits of my labor. These are my limes. Ooh, yeah. So <clears throat> from my tree. Now, if you really want to ooh and ah over something, you got to go over to the Passmore's home. Uh, uh, Jim and, and Helen Passmore, great gardeners. They have uh, fruit trees everywhere around there. If there's a tiny little inch of dirt, they've got a tree in there bearing fruit, but it's great. But, and, and gardeners know that environment is key to growth. See, we don't make things grow, uh, either plants or, or our lives or us spiritually, because God is the one who causes the growth. And in the right environment, under his glow, we flourish. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only, but only God who gives, but it's only God who gives the growth. He's the one who makes the fruit pop out fruit. He's the one who makes us grow spiritually and character and all of that. He's the one. The key is for us to be in the right environment. Uh, so what are the good godly environments of growth? So if I take this mustard here and decide to water the plants with mustard, are they gonna grow? No. Now, if you have leg cramps, maybe a spoonful of mustard might help. You're thinking, where did you get that? Look it up online. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you should do that. Just you, you, you should look at that online. But, but it, uh, Paul now is taking us through some key growth elements, some, some key elements of growth in how we engage Jesus, in other words, getting into his glow, and disengage from false teachings. Some elements we add to life, some elements we avoid, like watering your plants with mustard. It, 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 but let's learn from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 23, and discover these four elements of growth for followers of Jesus. For in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing up, let's pray and ask God to challenge us this morning. Father God, it, it's, it's fun to look out on plants and see how they thrive and strive in life. And Lord, we're a lot like that. We want our roots to grow down deep in you. and We want to grow up and to be this flourishing, fruitful plant that's for your purposes, that blesses you and blesses others. And so God, I pray this morning that you would help us 
discover and uh, be active in these uh, growth elements that the Apostle Paul is bringing out. Challenge us, encourage us, teach us, uh, help us to walk out of here with some gems to, to, to even apply this week, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to, uh, if you're online, to do that QR code that Jacob was talking about and find a, uh, the uh, outline or just get a piece of paper and start writing some notes. If you're here in person, grab the note page that's there. I turn it open. There's blanks to uh, fill in. They will be uh, answers on the screen. I also encourage you to pick up in the lobby area our study guide. In there, it has actually all the answers to the fill in the blanks, plus a lot of extra verses that I mentioned in, in our study guide that usually helps us throughout the week. And we want to encourage you to take this, this time in God's Word right now and to use it as a launch pad for studying. And we have all kinds of helps for you on our website. There's a place called Revive, which has some articles and it has some, a good link to a podcast. And some of the things that we are not able to handle on Sunday morning, we handle in our podcast. We go a little deeper in those, encourage you to, to listen as we go, but, but do check those out. Now we at, at uh, Neighborhood Church ha- have some wonderful godly teachers uh, and leaders around us. And one of those is a man by the name of Foraker Smith. He was uh, a former elder, but once an elder, really always an elder. He's just not governing at this time. But he, he brought a great insight to the life group that uh, we attend a few weeks ago about the possible harsh environment uh, spiritually in the city of Colossae. And so I'd ask him to share it again with you. So check out our screen. As a member of the Honey Life Group, I've had the opportunity to uh, share and learn from this life group about the Book of of Colossians. And uh, one of the things that is important to me is the history, the geography, and the archaeology of the time. Keeping in mind, however, that the most important thing of all is to focus on what God is trying to teach us and guide us in, in terms of his character and his nature. And so therefore, um, I thought about the place. The place is uh, Asia Minor, now modern Turkey. And... In modern Turkey, there is a valley called the Lycus Valley. And in that valley, there is a Lycus River. And that river flows from east to west into the Meander River and then into the Aegean Sea. And across the valley are three or two important cities. One is... uh, uh, Hierapolis and the other is Laodicea. A third one upriver is the one that we focus on and that is Colossians. Uh, All three of those cities were important in their time. They uh, were rich in uh, the land. There were huge pastures in which uh, sheep were developed. Laodicea was a financial capital Hierapolis was a place where people came for spas and to drink the water because they thought it had medicinal qualities. Colossae was important in itself because it was a place of high mercantile interest. And uh, the textile industry was famous for what they called deep red Colossian rugs. 
It was also a, a place that fell on hard times after the great Persian Royal Road, which is like an international highway, was moved away from it and into the other two cities. Colossians fell on hard times after that, and by the time Paul came on the scene, it was a small, insignificant town in which something very important happened, and that is that a series of cults developed, and those cults uh, assaulted the centrality of God. They were, uh, they, they believed in angel worship, they, they worshiped uh, the archangel Michael, they believed in Roman pagan worship, they believed in uh, Jewish rituals that, uh, did, that denigrated God. So the neutrality of God was more important than anything else. Each of these cities had a church. And in the Church of Colossians, there was an aggressive attempt to highlight and uh, exalt dualism, a focus on the spiritual and a focus on the, on the physical. And they wanted to say that, the, uh, that God was so pure that he could not touch the ground. And so therefore, he had to have some mediary, some intermediary, and that is angels. And those angels were responsible for the physical. And all of this denigrated and diluted the, the importance of God as being the most central figure. And so the great Persian royal road became very important, not only for uh, mercantilism, but also for all of these ideas, these religious ideas that assaulted God. It was a place that I considered to be a war zone. As a member... Thank you, Foraker. I appreciate his insights in there, uh, which made all of that made a very harsh climate for faith in Jesus. And so now Paul turns the teachings to these four essentials of growth. So these believers and us would know what it means to be in Christ, to be in his glow. For in Christ's way of life is where we grow and where we thrive. And that's where, the tr that's where true health is found. Like <clears throat> thriving plants, uh, they don't fear when the heat comes because their roots are grown down and they're living in the glow of the sun and, they, and they're healthy. And so let's walk through these four essentials and, and, and see how we might grow as well. So the first one is do not, or do, excuse me, do walk in Christ. So if you have your Bible, open it to the Bible book of Colossians. And let's look at the first two verses of our passage here, verse six and seven of Colossians two. Uh, we've read it before. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. To walk in him is to live life his way, to have as our trusted foundation an environment where we get our life energy, 
like, like these plants. They're, they're getting their life energy from these glow lights representing the sun, and, and they, they grow, and they're basking in that glow, and so we are to bask in the glow of Jesus's life-giving glow. We thrive as we soak in the S-O-N, like plants thrive when they take in the S-U-N. We we grow and we when we soak in Jesus, we begin to thrive in life. And, and that's why verse seven says to be rooted and to be built up in him. To be rooted is like what Psalm one says. Now we just read one verse of Psalm one, but let's go back. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, back to this to the Psalm, Psalm one, and let me just read you verses one to three, and you'll see some things that God wants us not to do and some things that God wants us to do, to be in in the glow of Christ, to be in Christ as we're supposed to be there. It It says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and light, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. See, we're to, to not to push away from those things that are, that are against God, uh, and yet to, to take in the things that are of God, which is to meditate on God's word. To meditate means to mull it over in our mind, to, to try to understand what is God telling me to do, and how then shall I live with that? our job is to to place ourselves in that right environment. And so so we need to let our roots go down and soak in the goodness of God. The question is, are you? And that's why we have as part of this uh, series, this this time of the year, this a devotional that challenges you to go through the Bible book of Proverbs and interact with it, to meditate on it. And if you don't have one of those, please go by the information desk or if you're online, come by church and and, uh, pick up one of those and begin to start interacting with God's word. And we are then built up or we grow as we take action on Jesus' teaching. Actually, Jesus put it this way. He talked about this a few weeks ago. Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25 says, everyone, Jesus is saying here, everyone who hears these words of, of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds their house on a rock. When the rain uh, fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it has been founded on the rock. The, those roots are grown down deep. And our job is to place ourselves in the right environment. Now we know that interacting with Jesus as we read the Bible helps us grow. So we should do that. That's how we get in his glow. We also know that doing what the Bible says, responding to Jesus' teaching helps us grow. So we should do that. That's getting into his glow. We also know that serving God helps us grow. So we should be involved in serving God in some way and look at those opportunities. We know that life circumstances, God uses those. Many times they're trials in life. If you want a verse for that, write down James chapter one. Read the first like four or five verses there. It talks about how they consider joy, brethren, when we count in various trials, knowing that the testing of faith produces endurance. That God uses circumstances to help us grow. And God is always helping us grow. We are always learning something from God or should be learning from something. God His coaching, his teaching, his testing. So, so what lessons is God teaching you these days? What, what, what's something that, you're going through or you're experiencing as you're reading God's, what is he teaching you? What is he encouraging you with? How is he coaching? Because he does. Going back to Colossians, again, uh, chapter two, verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, 
rooted and build up and establishing your faith in that way. The question is, have you come to that point where you've received Jesus? It says, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ in verse six, to receive Christ is to believe. Many of you have come to that place in your life where you actually believe that Jesus is your savior. And then we're gonna be celebrating communion in a moment where this is, is the uh, opportunity and moment for us to reflect on our own salvation, that we're sinful and that we need a savior and that it's Jesus. And then how we come to that is we receive that, we take it in in faith and we say, yes, I get it. I, by faith, understand that I'm sinful. I, by faith, know I need a savior. And by faith, I choose that it's Jesus. If you haven't yet made that choice, well, I encourage you, as, as we're taking communion today, maybe even make that choice. And, and uh, John will lead you in that as, as we come along. But, but in that, once we have received that, we're to walk in him, to get in his glow and avoid those circumstances that inhibit growth. For in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. Another essential of growth is don't be swayed <clears throat> to stray from Jesus. Look at verse eight of Colossians 2. See to, the, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit, spirits of the world and not according to Christ. To take someone captive is to take control of or to plunder or to carry off or to strongly influence and manipulate. The directive here is to, to be wary of being taken by world philosophies ways of thinking and patterns and to live by that are not in line with Jesus or his teachings and his way of life. Because there are a lot of deceitful philosophies out there that, that, that place things like wealth and education and gender and race and legalism, where we're born and self as the deciding factor of how to order our life. It's not Jesus. It's not his way of life or, or as we're to live as a child of God. But what we are to do is we are to live in Christ where new life is found, a restored life, a reborn life, a rejuvenated life, a resurrected life, life anew, life that as it was meant to be. And it is an, a life order of things that brings out our best and we thrive. We're in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. And that's why in 1 John 4, 1 and verse 3, it says, one, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. <clears throat> By this you know what are, the spirit, what are from the spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and now is in our world. And the apostle Paul takes this and encourages the Corinthian believers and encourages us. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments, these empty philosophies, deceitful philosophies, and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. We're to take the, the, the philosophies of the world and check it. Mm, is, this, is this what Jesus teaches? Is this in line with God's word? I know I've done that. I've I done it with wrestling with this legalism. In other words, thinking that I'm more right by what I do. I grew up in a church where it, it was the norm. 
and they placed all kinds of sins on things that the Bible never says anything about. It was a sin to play cards or to miss church or drink alcohol or to go to movies that not sanctioned by the church. There were even rules about how to dress. And if you were divorced, you were considered less. This is the one that just hits my heart because my mom uh, divorced my dad because he was horrible. He abused her. He had an affair. And he was even biblically right. She was uh, right to, to, to divorce but she was a she was a wonderful. She's home with the Lord right now, and 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 I am completely healed, emotionally too. Um, but she started getting involved in the church and was trying to grow in faith and and began to serve. And she began to serve in the nursery. And she loved kids. And she, I would come and help her in the nursery, and it was a wonderful thing and a great opportunity. And we had a great time. And she was growing in leadership. She she'd been trained to be a nurse and and a, and, a, and a charge nurse in charge of other nurses. And so she was really good at leadership. And she began to uh, move into leadership. And that the person who was the leader of the nursery left. And so she was right there and said, "I'd be happy to do that." And then what they did is they said, "No, you can't because you're divorced." She never got involved in the church again after that. And I wish I would have known then what I knew now and could stand up and say, that is not in God's word. There's nothing in God's word that disqualifies her from leadership. You see, that's when we have these philosophies that are not in line with God's word. And there are all kinds of philosophies out there that pulled Jesus out of the most influential place in life. But let Jesus captivate us and his way of life. If you're not sure if you're following the right philosophy, hold it up captive to the word of God, to, the, to obedience to Christ. Find a few people that have got good insights to help you and make sure that, that they are putting Christ central in their own lives. For in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. Now, Paul is talking about essentials of growth as a follower of Jesus, and it's best to soak in Jesus' life-giving glow. We're to walk in Jesus and not sway from Jesus, but also to live, but to do live emboldened by our position in Christ. Look at now verses 9 through 15 in, uh, in Colossians chapter 2. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, Jesus is God. Actually, Paul talked about that earlier on in, in chapter one, verses 15 to 17. I'll read that in a moment, but it, but he says, for in him, all the whole fullness of deity dwells, verse 10, and you have been filled in him. He's part of your life. Who is the head of all rule and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but by uh, pulling off of the body of flesh, but, but the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses by concealing the record of debt that stood against us, which is legal, which is legal demands, And he set them aside, nailed it to the cross and disarmed rulers and authorities and put them in open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is amazing. When we come to faith, the power of who Christ is and what he has done is part of our lives. 
It's like we've been infused with this incredible power. Much like how photosynthesis works on plants, the sunlight gets the plants, they're infused with this power of the sun and they begin to grow and thrive. In the same way, Jesus is that powerful force Really, God himself, and I just, I love this passage so much. I love to read it all the time. In verse 15 of Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, he holds it all together. Woo! Man, that's Jesus. I mean, and and. Those who come under his glow, who come to faith in him, are infused with that power. The power of Jesus, the Christ, is in us. The one who caused the sea to hush in the middle of a storm. The one who walked on water. The one who heals the sick. The one who caused the blind to see. The lame to walk. Even raised the dead. He even raised himself from the dead. That's power, people. Amen. And that is with each of us who believe. Let that embolden you, that the power of Almighty God is right there with you. And like circumcision that set aside Israel as as God's followers, believing in Jesus sets us aside as followers of Jesus, for we have chosen to remove the power of our sinful flesh from us. We put Jesus as the highest influence of life. We've been raised up from death of our sin nature. We have made fully alive with Christ who died in the cross, who canceled out our sin debt. I won't ask hands raised, but probably the majority of majority of us are in debt financially. Wouldn't it be great to have that whoo, canceled out? Well, the truth is, is that we have a sin debt that we were born with and we've been adding to it day by day. And Jesus on the cross canceled out that sin and we benefit from that when we step out in faith and receive him. When we come to faith, we're made alive in Christ, once dead due to sin, but now made alive. We've been removed from the solidarity with Adam and his sin and and, and like, like circumcision, it's been taken from us. We are forgiven, our sin debt canceled, nailed to the cross, empowered because he has disarmed and triumphed over evil and any false teacher. See, Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the highest authority in the universe. He is creator. This world is his house governed by his rules. And there is no power that can hold him. The Pharisees tried to silence him. Rome tried to crucify him. Death tried to take him, but the grave couldn't hold him. Woo, man, Jesus, he rose from the grave. Jesus is that powerful, not just something that happened years ago, but that power resides in those who believe, man, live emboldened, live with confidence. Yes, life is tough, but Jesus who triumphs is above all other would-be influences in our life. Be in him, be in his glow, for in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. One last essential to growth. Don't be shaken by other other teachings. Look at verses 16 now 
through the end of our passage, which is verse 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or regarding regards in festivals or in new moons or in Sabbaths. These are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism. That's, that's uh, uh, saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to go without him, therefore I'm so spiritual. Uh, and worship of angels, going on the, in details about visions puffed up with out reason by sensuous minds and not holding fast to the head. That's Jesus from whom the whole body nourishes and knits together through the joints and ligaments and grows in a growth that is from God. If with Christ you have died to the essential spirits of this world, why, as if you were still alive in them, do you submit to their regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that have all perished as they are used uh, according to the human perception of things. These are indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion as asceticism and and severity to the body, but they are not of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That asceticism, that false humility saying, I'm more religious because I go without. But now Paul lists a lot of specific judgments and and sets of rules these Colossian believers uh, were being told that they need to be under. Now, we don't have time to walk through all of those this morning, but if you want to listen to our podcast, we'll hit some of those as we walk through this. So I encourage you to tune in this week. But over, the overall thought is to we live in a world where shame and blame, uh, where others seem to think they have the right to decide what is best for our lives, where they are the judge. Now, this human tendency, this is a human tendency, and we honestly, sinfully like the power of shaming and blaming and judging. Just look at the internet. How much shame and blame and judging is going on there? Jesus accused the Pharisees of wanting to sit in the seat of Moses. That's to sit in the seat of judgment. If you want a place to look at that, look at uh, Matthew chapter 23. It's a place of pride and hypocrisy. They tie heavy weights of shame on others. We're not to be shaken by others' accusations. Look back at verse 20 of Colossians 2. If with Christ you died, remember the powerful, awesome, amazing, incredible Christ, to the elementary... Spiritual elementary spirits of the world, why, as if they were still alive in the world, do you submit to their regulations? We submit to Christ. And the challenge is to be in Christ, to be rooted and to be built up. As verse 6 and 7 talked about, as we first talked about as we started this morning, it's living life his way, connected, engaged, basking in his glow, aligning life Jesus' way over the shame and blame of others. For in Christ's way of life is where we grow and we thrive. Now, unlike plants, we have the choice of the environment we place ourselves in. These plants can't get up and move. They only move because I put them there. But we do have the opportunity to move. We have the opportunity to step into Jesus' glow so we will grow. And Paul is challenging us, do walk in Christ. Don't be swayed to stray from Jesus do live emboldened by our position in Christ and don't be shaken by others' teachings. In this, we will live in Christ. We will be in Christ. We're in Christ's way of life is where we grow and thrive. Will you pray with me? 
Father God, I, I thank you for your word today. It is challenging. <laughs> there is so much in life that uh, wants to sway us. And Lord, we're under, it seems like a lot of blame and shame. If we don't do this, or if we do do that, and, and Lord, we just want to be under you, under your glow, under the, 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 your reality. And so God, help us. Help us to, to move in and under your glow, the, to be in you, following your word, letting our roots grow down deep to be helping us in that. And so God, help us, we pray. Challenge us and encourage us and have your hand of grace upon us and bless us in that as we seek to uh, live life your way. May we grow and flourish and be like those uh, fruit plants that give out and help others as we are engaged with you, that we engage other people. Challenge us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.